Welcome to the Cheapskate Show, everybody, and happy 2021. Hey, everything old is new again, or something like that. Today, we're going to talk about that old hardware you've got sitting around and ways to make it feel like new, or at least give it a new lease on life. So dust off your discarded phones, laptops, and tablets, and let's get ready to refurb. Also on today's episode, how to ship stuff on the cheap and the shocking truth about $50 headphones. Hey, if you're new here, let me introduce myself. I'm Rick Broida, author of CNET's Cheapskate blog for over a decade, and I'm joined by my good friend Dave Johnson, who often goes out of his way to spend more than is necessary, I think, just to make me angry. Hey, Dave, how was your Christmas vacation? Hey, Rick, it was great. Thank you for asking. I did what I always do. It's a Johnson family tradition. I go into the store on Boxing Day and buy all the discounted stuff at full price. <laughs> That's, I would expect no, no less, no different from you. Sometimes I even pay a little extra if I think it's an unfairly low price on the item. You, you're the, you're the anti-cheapskate. You're the, you're the, there must be a word for, for what you are. Well, here's the deal. <laughs> I don't mind spending extra, let's say, to get something that's cool that I really want. But I hate spending money on things that just maintain the status quo, like your refrigerator dies, or you have to get a new mouse or keyboard. That kind of thing drives me insane because I'm spending money and I'm not really getting anything to show for it. Oh, you are preaching to the choir. We, we actually recently had to replace our roof and literally, what, what good is a roof, Dave? I mean, like all that money and all I got was a, a roof over my head. Yeah, again. all you got is it doesn't rain directly on you when you sleep. <laughs> Like a sucker. Oh, man. Yeah, I, I, hate, I hate spending money on stuff like that. All right, so tell me uh, real quick, what did you watch over the break? Like, you must have streamed something good. What did you see that you liked? I think I spent most of my time over the holiday break watching something you've already seen, The Queen's Gambit. Oh, so good. I watched it with my girlfriend, and she doesn't know how to play chess, but she was absolutely enraptured by it anyway and so she has asked me now to teach her to play chess the the funny thing about this is i only have a passing knowledge of chess the, the last time i played i think i was in high school so i can show her the moves but she'll probably be able to beat me within like two games of playing <laughs> yeah it's interesting how that show has sparked an utter nationwide obsession with chess, like all of a sudden, all it's, you know, there's chess clubs forming and just people are suddenly interested in this game, which has been around literally for, I don't know, thousands of years, millions of years, Dave? Yes, millions of years. You are correct, Rick. <laughs> much, much like the the Mandalorian has, has sparked uh, interest in people giving birth to Yodas. Oh, speaking of which, I watched that as well. And I know you were a little ifish on the mandalorian originally particularly season one but my god what a great show that is the show that makes you really fall in love with star wars all over again <laughs> i i don't know if i would go that far i definitely thought that season two was better than season one but uh, just mild spoilers here for anybody who hasn't yet seen season two there's there's those couple moments in the season where he takes off his helmet. Oh, good lord. And yeah. I, yeah, and, and I was yelling at the screen, much to the chagrin of my family, 
Keep it off. Don't put it back on. No, but don't you understand that that's what made that moment so meaningful is the fact that he lives by a code of never taking that helmet off. The fact that he did take it off, particularly at the very end, that is what made it so impactful and important of a moment. If he just took that helmet off willy-nilly all the time, got to brush my teeth, going to take my helmet off, then <laughs> we, we wouldn't have cared when he did it. That's and, what you're missing. And I live by a code of I don't care about the protagonist unless he has a face. No, that's not true. Or I mean, that may be true for you, but he was able to act through the suit, through the helmet. I never I had any, there was never any ambiguity for me about what he was thinking or feeling because he managed to project it through the suit. I disagree. I mean, I'm sorry, I don't mean to go on, all in the weeds on this, but like in the first episode of uh, season two where he, we meet Timothy Oliphant and he takes off his helmet like almost immediately, gold. He's and not a Mandalorian. Meet, That's why he took meet, the helmet off. Yeah, okay, just listen, though. But later we meet Starbucks, Starbucks in the in this season, and she takes her helmet off. And it's just like, oh, so, okay. And I thought that that's where we were going to end the season, was he was going to somehow sort of get involved with this sect of Mandalorians who have no problem taking their helmets off, and then he would take his helmet off. No, but that's what I love about the way. show, is that he gets further and further wedged into this sect of Mandalorian that he's upholding the old way of not taking the helmet off, and he's surrounded by people that are willing to do it. I think that that defined his character even better. Well, and that wraps up another episode of The Mandalorian <laughs> Show. Thanks for listening, everyone. You can email us at... <laughs> All right. I just wanted to put my two cents in for uh, Soul on Disney+, Plus, which I know you haven't seen yet, but after the train wreck that was Wonder Woman, and we could maybe save that for another episode because <laughs> that'll take too much time. I do need uh, something to wash away, yes, the grime of uh, having seen Wonder Woman. Well, the perfect palate cleanser we watched it the very next night was Soul on Disney Plus, which was just so charming and joyful and funny and meaningful and just beautiful. I just absolutely loved it. So great. I'm I'm eager for you to watch it so I can see if you had the same reaction to it that I did. But it was just it was so great. It's probably the best Pixar movie in years and years. Uh, I would say it easily rivals, if not beats, Inside Out. So watch that one, everyone. It's it's a gem. So, Rick, I know one of the things that we've talked about in recent weeks has been things like headphones. And we were talking about the new Apple AirPods Max and the fact that these $550 headphones may be good, but they're not $550 good. And I had talked about two to $350 headphones that I use. My understanding is you're going to come in with a pair of $50 headphones and try to contend that they're better than the Apple AirPods Max. <laughs> well, don't don't go stuffing all those words in my mouth in quite that order. Oh, okay? I try to speak for you <laughs> all the time. <laughs> yeah, so here's what happened. So a few weeks back before we took our holiday break, we did a whole episode about the AirPods Max, which are insultingly overpriced at 550 bucks. I don't care what they sound like. They're just not worth 550 bucks. 
And shortly thereafter, I received from Wise, uh, W-Y-Z-E, which really should just be a sponsor of the show at this point for the amount of products of theirs that we have talked about. Yeah, this is literally what the word free press means. Yeah, <laughs> right. I, I swear to God, we are not on the dole from, from Wise, or at least I haven't been getting any payouts from them. Have you? They did buy me a new car, but that doesn't count, right? Because it's oh. not technically a product that they sell. <laughs> Not yet. I would love to see what the Wise car looks like. <laughs> uh, yeah, so they sent me the Wise headphones. They're they're not glamorous or confusing with their product names at all. Wise headphones. That's the name of the product. And for fifty dollars, it almost sounds kind of ridiculous. The feature set, but I'll just sum it up this way, and I'm going to include a link, of course, to the write up that I did about this just a, just a few days before the holiday. So for $50, these are over-the-ear headphones with active noise canceling built in. And I actually got a chance to test these right alongside a set of Sony – don't make me say the product name, Dave. What What is it? WPQX1000M4P? I think well, it's it, no, it's <laughs> W. I think it's WF1000XM4, if I'm not mistaken. I think it's WH, not to split hairs. So I think it's WH. Yeah, but anyway, well, we're going to send people, and they're going to buy the wrong thing. They're going to end up with a, a bushel of carrots instead of the headphones if we give them the wrong <laughs> model number. That's the WC, the W carrot model. Those headphones list at 350. They routinely sell for about 278. So they're they're very much in a different price category. I mean, not even close. So here's what I found. The Sony headphones, I thought, sounded better overall. When I did a side-by-side -side comparison, when I was just listening to the Wise headphones all by themselves, like not trying to compare the two, I thought they sounded great. I thought they sounded very good. Um, I didn't have a single complaint about the audio quality unless I compared them to the headphones costing more. Here's what was really telling about it. I mentioned the active noise canceling. I did a little test where I went and I stood next to this HVAC unit that we have that's like a heater, air conditioner type of thing, and it has a pretty loud fan. Active noise canceling phones are designed to kind of combat that kind of noise, like fan noise or a jet engine or whatever. And so I tried the two. When you activate Sony's noise canceling, it cuts out a fair bit of the noise, but there's a little bit of a hiss that's left behind. The Wise headphones cut out most of the noise, no hiss. It was actually better at canceling noise than the headphones costing seven times as much. I would have to Did try that for myself. I'm a little dubious because it's an artifact of virtually all active noise canceling technology that you're going to get a little of that background hiss. But I just can't believe that Wise is better at it than Sony because those XM4s, those are industry leaders in noise cancellation. Right. And I, and I get that. And I was surprised as well. Now, keep in mind, this was a very anecdotal test. And I only did the test without listening to music at the same time. In other words, I wasn't trying to test the big picture noise canceling. It was just simply the fan noise and engage noise canceling. And that was it. Because I actually find sometimes I want to just sit in silence. I don't necessarily want to listen to music or a podcast or whatever. I just want to cut out as much noise as possible. And I'll tell you something, the, the whys seemed like the winner in, in between the two just for that. So they're good for just sitting in the corner and pondering your mortality. <laughs> yeah, 
which, you know, at my advanced age is something I, I like to do nowadays. The link is in the show notes if you want to read a more detailed description of the headphones and how, how they worked and what was good and what was not so good. But I'll tell you, there's there's a couple of features. There's one feature that the Wise headphones have that I absolutely love. When you have active noise canceling engaged, if you want to talk to somebody, somebody walks up and you want to have a conversation, you have to take the headphones off, right? So if you just kind of cup your hand over the right ear cup, it immediately cuts out the noise canceling and activates the microphone so you can have a conversation with somebody without having to take off the headphones. And I know it sounds like a really trivial little thing, but there's just something I absolutely love about being able to slap my hand on my ear and suddenly I can talk to someone. That is a good feature. And I have used other headphones that do something similar to that. But one of the things that the Sony does that I think is a kind of a cool thing is you can turn on, oh, I forget what it's called, but it's something like chat to talk or something where when you start talking out loud it will automatically mute the music so you can it knows you're having a conversation with someone and then shortly after you stop talking it resumes same and basic results, idea just yeah. accomplished in a different way but but again fifty dollars $350. That's, that's really the <laughs> remarkable thing. So uh, my, the upshot here and the takeaway here is that to me, this is an all-star product. I, I really feel like this is a bit of a game changer for what you can get from a, uh, an over-the-air headphone at this price. And uh, I, I'm just really impressed by it. It's available for pre-order right now. I think it actually starts shipping this month. So maybe it's you can actually just order one out right now. And I'll just mention it's $50 plus shipping. So it might be $58 or $59 once you get out the door. But still, just amazing. Uh, go, go check them out, everybody. So I think it's a safe bet that most of our listeners have amassed a bit of hardware over the years. Uh, I think it's pretty typical these days. You know, a, a laptop you have for a few years and then you upgrade to a newer model. And same goes for phones and and tablets, and I think what happens a lot of times is that people keep this old gear kind of in a in a closet or or in a drawer, just like as a backup, or they even don't get around to selling it and then just kind of forget about it or whatever. I'm I'm fairly I have a lot of that kind of thing. You you do that as well? I think it's one of the things that's kind of natural in this day and age is that we tend to collect old hardware. It's kind of like collecting keys on your key ring that you don't know what they go to anymore. And in the same way, it's like, yeah, everybody has like an old tablet or something lying in a drawer somewhere. Part of the problem is that, you know, if you even want to like resell it or, or give it away or anything like that, I mean, you have to jump through all the hoops of making sure all your data is wiped off of it and, you know, making sure you have all the stuff that goes with it and everything. It's kind of a hassle. So I wanted to spend some time talking about ways to repurpose this old hardware, which I think it will come to surprise a lot of people what you can really do with stuff that might seem really out of date or unusable for what you used to use it for. But you can really actually squeeze a lot more life out of some of this older hardware. So let's kind of divvy this up a little bit and, and we'll talk about phones first. And I want to start with this. I have an iPhone that's about three years old. And like most phones of that age, the battery is really starting to suffer. It really can't even get through an entire day anymore without at least one trip to the charger. 
And I know I've heard anecdotally from a zillion people, oh, you know, my phone doesn't keep a charge anymore. Time for a new phone. I don't think that's the case. I think that a lot of phones, even if, you know, very few phones let the user upgrade the battery. But if you have an iPhone or a Samsung phone um, and, and a few others, you can take it to a service and have a new battery put in for not a ton of money. And then presto, you get a lot more mileage out of your old phone. If you like your phone, if your phone works well, don't upgrade just for purposes of the battery. Okay, so let me ask you this, and I'm genuinely curious what your opinion is. Is there value in taking an older phone, and I'm not going to have a cellular plan on it now. I'm just going to use whatever free Wi-Fi happens to be available wherever I am. Now, is that a smart idea or is that a moronic idea? Because if, <laughs> because it won't be useful unless I'm around Wi-Fi. So I can't really use it as an emergency phone. So is, is that a good suggestion or a bad suggestion? <laughs> I can't tell. You know, I've got a half a dozen phones lying around. I could take one of those and I could do exactly that because I don't have cell phone service on most of them. Throw a free texting service on it. Even some, you know, can do voice and video when you're around Wi-Fi, you know, like WhatsApp and stuff like that. Although I'm trying to figure out if there's value in that because as, long, as soon as I get away from Wi-Fi, the phone becomes a brick. Yeah, so that's a great point. Um, and I think we're kind of talking about two different things here. So if you keep the phone without service, then your options are a little different. Like you can maybe earmark that as like a dedicated game device for the kids. You know, uh, even though even older phones are great at games, especially for, for kids, you could use it as a dedicated e-reader that you just keep next to your nightstand. And, you know, you want to have your phone sort of away from you at night, but you still want to be able to read a book. It's great for that purpose. You can set it up as a, as a security cam uh, for your home or a dedicated baby monitor. Uh, there's, there's a lot of single purpose things that you can do with that device because, you know, think about it. It's got a great screen. It's got a fast processor. It's, um, it's got cameras built in. So there's just lots of things you can do. And, and we'll include a couple of links in, in the show notes to some roundups, uh, some lists that other CNET writers have put together of just those kinds of things. To answer your other question about using it as an actual backup phone, yeah, you can do that for cheap or even free. We've talked about a lot of the super cheap phone carriers that have plans that start as low as like 10 bucks a month. And if you just want to have a, an emergency backup phone on hand, just in case your primary phone goes down the sewer or, you know, just won't power on one day, you need to have a backup phone. There's options available for doing that as well. Let's talk a little bit about laptops. One of the things that I have recently fallen in love with and I think really fits in well with this theme is Stadia, which is Google's cloud gaming system. So you have a somewhat older laptop. It has a lousy 256 gig hard drive, which is not big enough really for anything. You've never used it for games. You can actually turn this laptop into a gaming system now by installing Stadia on it because the game gets processed and stored in the cloud and it's streamed to you in real time. I think it is a game changer. It is the way people will be playing games in the future. 
It's it's a game changer. Did you really just say that? <laughs> I did, and I did it with no hint of irony whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, this I'm I'm very intrigued by this service, and I really haven't had a chance to try it out at all. But I'm again thinking like, okay, I bet there's a bunch of people around out there who have these old kind of like desktop replacement laptops that they that they bought. These big hulking things that have like 17 inch screens. But they're just like kind of slow pokes now and they, you know, they're just clunky and not a lot of storage. But you're saying that with Stadia, being able to stream games from the cloud means you don't need a lot of horsepower, right? And so the, the cloud does all the heavy lifting and now you've got yourself a pretty decent gaming machine. Yeah, the limiting factor for this is not your processor speed or memory. It's your broadband speed. Yeah. So if you have high speed Internet in your house, which I think. Uh, most people do just as you're able to stream Netflix, you know, you're able to stream high definition TV and movies. You, you can do the same with gaming and really get a pretty good experience and be able to run all of the latest and greatest games, which is really cool. Yeah, I think that you need a really fast broadband connection for 4K, which is important if you're trying to stream it on your TV. But if you're just trying to do it on a laptop, 4K is much less important, and you can make do with a much slower internet connection. Okay, so I'm I'm excited to to try that out. Um, and and Stadia itself, if you're installing it on a laptop, is there a cost for it, or you only play for the games, or how does that work? So, yeah, you can install Stadia for free on your laptop. Then you, you buy games, and you can use it without paying any subscription fee. But if you do pay for the Stadia Pro, I think it is, it's uh, 10-ish dollars a month, then you get access to a bunch of games as well. So, for example, I've, I'm on the trial right now, and I'm playing like Sniper Elite for free. Here's what's interesting is if you want to play new games like like say Cyberpunk 2077 or mm -hmm. um, Immortals Phoenix Rising or whatever you know typically you you have to buy a really expensive console game console in order to do that and this sort of takes away the need to do that so this is kind of like a big cheapskate win whether you're on older hardware or not it's hey a that's why I to said to... this is a game changer <laughs> in so many ways. <laughs> All right, so that sounds really cool, and I think we'll talk more about Stadia um, in a future episode. But here's the here's the really big one that I wanted to talk about, um, and this was really the catalyst for this whole thing, this whole idea of repurposing old hardware. You know, everybody I know, everyone, I, every time I turn around, someone's telling me, you know, hey, Rick, I need a cheap laptop. Uh, the kids need a laptop for school. There's just, like, so much need for laptops now. What I would suggest for anyone who's in the market, consider getting out your old laptop and turning it into a Chromebook. And you can do this in a ridiculously easy and ridiculously free way thanks to a service, uh, software and service, that's called Cloud Ready. And here, the, the short version is that you install Cloud Ready onto a flash drive. You pop that flash drive into your old laptop and then boot from that flash drive. That instantly gives you a Chrome OS environment, just very much the same as if you had an actual Chromebook. And from there, you can actually operate that laptop from that flash drive and just use it that way. Or you can install Cloud Ready 
onto the hard drive, make it more permanent, and then you don't need the flash drive any longer. But you basically get a Chromebook kind of for free on your old laptop. It's really cool. It works really well. One of the things that appeals to me about that, and I'm very eager to try it out, is it occurs to me that most Chromebooks are not very performant. They have really slow processors and only a little bit of memory. But if you have an older laptop, even if it wasn't had had a super fast CPU in it, it's probably already faster than a lot of stock Chromebooks. So my what I wonder out loud is, does installing Cloud Ready on my older laptop make it a super high performing Chromebook? You know, that's a really good question, and I haven't done any kind of benchmarking to really know for sure. But you're absolutely right, because, you know, most Chromebooks, you're going to have two gigabytes, four gigabytes of RAM and maybe, you know, uh, 16 or 32 gigabytes of storage. Your old laptop has probably got eight gigs of RAM and hundreds and hundreds of gigabytes worth of storage. So right there, you're going to see some benefits. And um, I just I just love how well this thing works um i've actually kind of converted a couple old laptops into chromebooks that i then passed along to neighbors who have younger kids who just need kind of basic computing for stay-at-home schooling and it has worked out really really well the one limitation that i have found with this thing is that unlike chrome os itself which now allows you to run android apps from the google play store I don't believe Cloud Ready lets you do that, at least not right out of the box. So if, if you want to be able to do Android apps, you can't. But other than that, you get pretty much the same Chrome OS experience. And let me just point out, too, that if you don't want to go all the way to downgrading, yeah, there, I said it, downgrading your laptop into a Chromebook, you can eke a little more mileage out of your older laptop just by turning off all the Windows visual effects, too. You know, that's something that, you know, we've probably written about and talked about a million times in the past, but just click a couple of things in settings for Windows, and it turns off all the visual flourishes that make your laptop perform better. That is true. And let's also not forget the kind of old-fashioned way to revive an old laptop, which is installing Linux. Uh, and, you know, I... <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I, that seems very old-fashioned and, and probably not something that a lot of people, especially if you're a novice user, I, I just I wouldn't go down that road. It's just not worth all the grief. But um, Why but don't you it, just it, put it, the Amiga OS on it, Rick? <laughs> Well, I'm just saying that, you know, Linux is still a thing and it still lets you run a, a Windows-like environment with a lot of Windows-like software. So if that's something that you need or want, uh, you can get by with a lot less horsepower than you need to run Windows at a decent clip. So that, that's something to consider as well. All right. So let's talk tablets for a sec. What, what can I do to breathe a little more life into my tablet? Yeah, so I would say... Uh, Similar to what you can do with a phone, you can do a lot of the same things with a tablet, just with a couple of additions. Like, for example, we, we've talked a lot about uh, digital photo frames on the show. And, you know, a tablet, prob your tablet probably has a, an 8 or even 10 or larger inch screen, which makes it a pretty good uh, candidate to become a digital photo frame. And so there are some free apps that you can get that will sort of convert it into exactly that by the same token one of the things that i use a smart display for you know my alexa is i have one in the kitchen 
And I'm sure that if you don't, if you don't yet have something in the kitchen that you can, you know, start timers and watch recipe videos and stuff like that, stick your old tablet in there, right? I mean, it's going to get covered with olive oil and, and honey, but you can clean it off. It's great. You know, the, the <laughs> tablet is custom made for exactly that sort of thing because it has either Google or Siri built into it. You can even install the Alexa app if you want to. You have essentially the same experience as if you were to get an Alexa smart display. Yeah, I think that's got to be one of the, one of my favorite ways to use uh, an old tablet or even a newer tablet is just as a dedicated kitchen helper. And, you know, it's funny that the old hack for keeping a tablet protected in the kitchen is just to slide it into a Ziploc bag <laughs> because you'll still be able to uh, interact with the screen uh, through the bag, but it will keep it nice and, and grease free. You can also throw a banana in there and it'll ripen faster. <laughs> All right, so those are some of our ideas, everyone, for how to squeeze some more life out of your old phones and laptops and tablets. We'd love to hear your ideas. Uh, if you've done this sort of thing already and had good results or bad results, uh, let us know. And right now, I'm going to drop on you our new email address. So if you want to get a hold of us, I don't know if address... I'm emotionally ready for this yet, Rick. <laughs> the new address is cheapskate show at redventures. Dot com Because as you may or may not know, we are no longer owned by CBS. We are owned by Red Ventures. So that's our email address, cheapskateshow at redventures.com. We would love to hear from you. Hey, Rick, at the top of the show, you promised me a tip of the week. Are you just a liar? I, I did not promise you a tip. I, I promised to teach you how to save money on, on shipping. All right, well, bring it on, big man. Well, how am I going to save money on shipping? God, uh, we've both gone completely loopy now. All right. So, yeah, um, you know, I ship a fair bit of stuff and uh, I usually ship it through the United States Postal Service, which tends to be a little cheaper than UPS or FedEx. But I found this cool site that I have been using religiously the past couple of months, and it is called amusingly Pirate Ship or Pirate Ship, however you prefer to pronounce it. It's exactly what it sounds like. Pirate Ship. So go to pirateship.com, and basically it's just a really super easy way to ship stuff, but the, the added advantage is that it will find you the cheapest possible rates because, believe it or not, you don't just always have to pay the postal services like priority rates and whatever. And if you've ever tried to navigate the, the USPS.com site and figure out the rates, it is obnoxiously confusing. It's ridiculous. But Pirate Ship makes this really super easy, and it's just a much nicer interface. It's easy to use. It's easy to look up the stuff you've shipped in the past. I know I'm sounding like a promotional segment for Pirate Ship. It's, it's really not. I just, like, I found it. I like it. I have saved money with it. I have found it easier to use. And that's the tip. Check it, check it out. Pirate Ship. I know a million years ago, like back in the late 90s or something, there were a bunch of these alternative services out there where they would send you a little scale uh, so you could weigh your packages yourself and print yeah. postage online. Uh, is this in the same spirit as that? No, this is nothing like that at all. And again, it's it's completely free. They never try to like upsell you on anything. It's just just a better way. Now, the only thing it doesn't do is compare rates like between the Postal Service and 
UPS and FedEx. I really wish it did do that, or I wish it had that other component to it where you could also do the same thing with UPS, but it doesn't do that. It's just for shipping by mail. But if you ship that way, I, I really recommend checking it out. It's, it's really cool. So thanks for joining us, everybody. We'll be back next week with more deals and more money-saving advice. In the meantime, you can find daily deals by visiting cnet.com slash cheapskate and following us on Twitter at Cheapskate Blog or Facebook at Cheapskate Rick. You can also sign up for deal alerts by texting 415-878-5807. And as always, we'd be eternally grateful if you leave us a rating or a review on your preferred podcast platform. So until next time, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay cheap.